Blog Talk Radio. Sports Rant Radio. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Welcome to the Tale of the Tape. It's the pound for pound, undisputed king It's the tale of the tape, it's time to enter the ring Boxing knowledge, dropped by Kenny and Vin This is sweet science, boxing diehard fans Manny and Floyd, I am Mike and the rest And you're tuned in to the best of the best This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio It's the boxing fans only show This is Sports Ram Radio And it's time the next episode. What up, fight fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Tale of the Tape. I'm your host, Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com, and with me, as always, my partner in crime and right-hand man, Vince Cummings. What up, Vince? What's happening, Ken, man? Well, welcome back to episode 32, the Stavern Wilder post-fight edition, and the Alvarado Rios 3 heading into the trilogy this Saturday night on HBO. We will preview that fight coming up and break down all of the action from last night's heavyweight championship that took place at the MGM Grand Garden Arena between reigning WBC heavyweight champion Berman Stavern and the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder. But first, we have a very special guest returning to the tail of the tape, coming off of a victory in the debut inaugural performance, headlining performance at Madison Square Garden, Dusty Hernandez Harrison of Rock Nation Sports, the undefeated welterweight and rising star hailing from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and southeast D.C. in particular. Dusty, welcome back to the tail of the tape, man. Uh, Glad to be back. Yeah, man, I appreciate you returning after our uh, our 12 rounds. We got a lot of really good feedback off of that, man. Yeah, yeah, everybody I know loved it. My dad really loved it, so. That's great, man. Well, congratulations on your victory against Tommy Renone. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely, man. All right, let's just jump right into this thing, man. Let's talk All about, right. can, you, like, can you shed some light um, into the lead-up of the fight, like once you arrived in New York City, like, you know, what your um, – your routine was what training you may or may not have done. I don't know what sites you saw. Oh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Uh, got there Tuesday, the week of the fight. Um, Rock Nation had a, a pretty good amount of uh, like promotional events planned. Um, I went to the St. John's or Villanova game. They had me on the big screen. I handed out some free tickets to some uh, students at St. John's. Uh, you know that was cool. You know, I'm a big basketball fan. Enjoyed that. Um. They had me on the like the Knicks ESPN radio on there at the, for, talk with them. I did a media day workout. It was just cool. I just did some light stuff, and then um, you know the the night of the fight, though, I, I only watched just one fight there. I watched Chris Van here and Rasheed McCall, and I had to go back and we'll get ready. Gotcha. Hey, what's up, Dusty? It's Vince here, bud. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, so. Uh, what did you think about uh, Rock Nation making the uh, big signing with Andre Ward, kind of right before your your fight was going on? Uh, I think it kind of I think it shows that they're, you know, they're not just trying to be another promotional company. They're trying to be up there with the, the biggest ones, you know, the, the Golden Boy and Top Rank. They're trying to, you know, they want fighters. They're, um, you know, I think now, you know, they get a pay per view fight. I mean, they're they're up there. You know, now they have. They have fighters on all levels now. After acquiring Gary Shaw, they have me. They have Andre Ward. They have a, a wide range of fighters. They can do so many. They can do shows on all levels now. So, yeah, that that was a big move that uh, immediately legitimized them. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right, Dusty. Let's get into the fight, man. So, when the thing kicked off, the first two rounds seemed to start off a little slow. I just want to ask: Were you measuring? Renown waiting to see what his attack would look like, or did you just come into the fight with a different strategy than than previous fights? No, you know I I did want to start fast. Uh, he was moving a bit. Um, I don't, you know, I just maybe it took me two rounds to feel comfortable taking some rest. That was all. You know, 
But you know, once I got comfortable, I tried to, uh, you know, I tried to go after him. But first round, it was, it was just slow. But when you got ten rounds, you, you're allowed. You can take your time like that. You don't have to worry about. Um, you don't have to worry about pressing it too fast. So I kind of like the long fights. Nice, nice. So uh, give us a give us a little look inside it. You know, the fourth round when uh, when you and Renown were were kind of getting tied up a little bit there, and he hit you on the break, and you you fired back at him. What what were the words exchanged there? What what did the ref say to you guys? No, I think to be honest, I think what happened is um he was getting frustrated, not more with the fact that you know I, some of the shots were coming a little, you know maybe. Maybe towards his back a little bit. I, I think it's just kind of part of his defense. He rolls with shots, and the, but I think he was getting more frustrated with the fact that the things he was doing weren't working. And um, you know, I think he kind of lost his temper a little bit. But the ref, I mean, the ref understood that it's a fight. Like this is what it's us. We're fighting for WC Continental America, you know, title. It's a it's a huge deal to us, and I think he understood that. Like you know, emotions are flying. And um, I think I I thought the ref did a great job handled it well. He told us, he's like, you punched on the break, you retaliated. He's like, don't try not to do it anymore. And, you know, I, don't, I don't think any points should have been taken. We're, I think we're both, we're both mature enough to, you know, not let that mess us up and turn to a brawl or anything. So, they were all right. Yeah, it was nice to see you, uh, you weren't taking any shit from him, man. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times they get in there, they think they're, they're in their mind, they think I'm fighting a 20 year old boy, I could probably ball some around, push him around. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I've been in the ring with too many people to let somebody, you know, just do what they want with me. It's like so. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dusty. Um, you seem to come out in the tenth round, the final round, really aggressive. Were you looking for the knockout or just trying to close the fight with some action and excitement for the fans? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I would have loved to got the knockout. I've been the first one to do it, and I think. I don't know if I tried too hard, but I don't, I don't know if I thought enough about what shots would get the job done. I didn't set up too many big shots. I just wanted to, I just wanted to catch them. And uh, Tom Renault was a little too tough for that, just to just to beat him down. You have to be smart about it. But um, yeah, I would have loved to have a knockout. And I wanted, you know, me and my dad talk about in the corner. I'd love to do it for it, make it a little exciting. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I was happy with the fact that I felt good enough to do that in the tenth round. Kind of um, put some confidence in you know that you're training right and you're doing the right thing. I could have easily did twelve the way I felt. So, yeah, it's a it's a good sign that that you're um, you're closing fights like this, man. It's going to serve you well in the future, I think. I mean, it's like that ninth round in the Torres fight that you and I talked about. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it just does so much for you. You know, I've never, I've never. This is my first time being a professional boxer. I don't have the experience training, but my dad's first time. I'm the first fighter that he took this far, so. You know, whenever we do things in training camp, we're we're just relying on how we feel. We don't have past experience on it, so it definitely adds to us and, and lets us know that we're doing the right thing in the gym. Yeah, it's working out great so far, man. Thank you. Hey, so uh, Renown, he, he kind of seemed to have a a bit of an awkward attack, an awkward style. He was like, you know, a lot of one punch clinching. Did did he bring anything? into the ring that night that, that you hadn't seen before, maybe something you learned in that fight that you can take with you moving forward? Um, I I don't know if something specifically, like, not style-wise that he brought, but I think what he brought was that, that I can learn from is just, you know, him being tough enough to be there. And, that, and um, I just thought that I won the fight pretty easily, and I got to realize, I think it was good for me to realize that there's still going to be somebody in front of me, you know, four, ten rounds, you know, just a lot of other people... They, you know, some of the shots that I landed, they, they wouldn't have, you know, they would have lost their confidence and they would have just kind of kind of checked in in the fight. And, and, um, you know, he was still there. One day, you know, I'm going to fight somebody. It's not going to be easy. And uh, so be there. And I'll have that in my mind saying, but I went 10 rounds with somebody who was tough and was still there before. You know, I could do it again. So. Right, right. Hey, Dusty, let's, uh, um, you know, congratulations on that on that performance again. And, the uh i you know what we took as onlookers to the fight was um we saw a more well-rounded version of you out there dusty we saw somebody that was like very um like uh, like looking for a smart technical counterpunching attack seizing the windows that he gave you um and we really noticed a um an uptick in your in your strength man did you feel like physically stronger going into this fight 
Yeah, definitely. I think I feel like it literally at every fight because I guess you know I'm at a I'm 20 years old. Just, I'm growing, getting more mature. This probably faster than you know any other age. And um, I I really feel at every fight I'm getting stronger. And um, the people who are in my training camp, they feel that my sparring partner that he he can tell my um guy that holds the body back for me. He tells me every fight he's he's like it's just getting harder and harder for him to do it. And um, you know not just my punching strength, but just my strength to be able to, you know maybe throw the other person around the ring and kind of dictate where he goes in the ring. I think, uh, you know, I can imagine what it's going to be like, you know, the next three years. Well, I remember you saying that um, 2015 was going to be a really active year for you. So do you have any idea yep. what's what's uh, next for you? No, I'm supposed to find out um, in a few days. But um, I don't know. I do – I mean, I can – I'm pretty sure it's going to be something soon, you know, maybe late February, March or – I would love if they told me it was it in less than a month, to be honest. I, you know, I like fighting. I think it's a, I'm only 20 years old. My body can handle it. It'd be a waste for me to not fight often. You know, I didn't. I turned pro at a young age, so I might as well use my youth, you know, for me. So I, I, don't, I don't need the time to recover. I don't need time off. So I, I would love to fight very soon. I'll tell you what, man. If If every boxer out there today from, from who, whoever their promotional company is, whoever their manager is, whatever, wherever they come from, if they had that mentality, this would be the most popular sport on the planet, period. <laughs> that, that's how people, I don't even fight as much as people did back in the day, and I fight a, a lot. I've got 25 fights already, so I, I do think that's what it's missing. Um, like, having, I think I was listening to him. How many times? Stavarin last night, he only fought like six times in the last few years or something. I think he fought three times in the last three years. That yeah, I I fought five times last year. <laughs> I know the fights are on a different level, but I just I don't know why people do that. Yeah, neither do I, man. So Dusty, you're uh, you coming off the big win. You got the the nice new contract with Rock Nation. You know, life's looking good for you right now. Have you had a chance to you know splurge on yourself a little bit, treat yourself to something nice? No, nah, um. I, I wouldn't know what to buy, to be honest. I'm not, you know, I don't get into, like, a, I'm not into jewelry or cars or anything like that. I, I mean, I have a, I bought a condo, but I, I bought that a little bit ago, and I had paid everything off, so, I mean. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would buy, to be honest. Hey, you're going to have to get something eventually, man. you got to treat yourself, man. Yeah, I will eventually. <laughs> Hey, did you happen to catch the uh, the fights last night? Yes. Well, no, no. Only um, I was at I was at a local box show, Keystone, and um, by the time I got home, I only caught the very end of Santa Cruz, and then I fought, and then I watched the uh, Wilder. I did see some highlights from the Miramon fight. That looked like I missed a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a definitely a good one. Maldonado was game man, but he kept stepping in square to that to his opponent, and, and eventually, a mom got his timing down, man, and just teed off on him. Yeah, I, I want to go watch that. What did you think of the uh, Stavern Wilder fight? I think um, I think Wilder answered a lot of questions. Um, I I think the most impressive thing that he did was go the twelve rounds. The fact that he's only been four before, you know that he didn't get to build up to six, to eight, and ten rounds. So I think that was the most impressive thing he did. And um, I think Stavern could have could have cut cut the ring off, or I don't know. He just it didn't look like the same Stavern that I'm used to seeing, but I think Beyonce looked pretty good, and uh, wouldn't mind seeing him in some big fights some more. I'm glad it's got American heavyweight. I think it's good for boxing. Yeah, absolutely, man, definitely. So you uh, you got any thoughts on, on next week's big fight, Alvarado-Rios 3? I think it'll be exciting. I just, um, who knows who's going to win. I don't, you know, Alvarado's going through problems in his training camp. I don't know if that's going to mess him up. Uh you know, Rio's always comes to fight. Alvarado does too, but it just seems like he has trouble in life. But uh, as long as it's exciting as the first two, I'm I'm going to be watching. Yeah, I think that's all of us just just want to see him in the ring, man. They always give us a good show. Yeah, definitely. Even Rio's. I mean, he's even though he you know he won that last fight, but it wasn't his best performance. And then before that, he took a couple off. But still, it's um he's exciting. I think that even people like that, even with losses, that. We need people like that in boxing because uh, certain fights just aren't 
non-boxing fans, they want to see people like him fight. So. Right. Yeah, it's definitely the more entertaining style of fight. Yeah. Well, man, I guess that'll uh, that'll do it. We appreciate you joining us again on the tail of the tape. No, I appreciate you having me. I enjoy the show a lot. Hey, thanks well, a lot, Dusty, man. Congratulations on that win, bud. Thank you. Hey, Dusty, we'll definitely, when we hear about your uh, your next fight, when we get the announcement, we'll come down to the gym and, uh, right. and check you out for training and, uh, and touch base with you again. Sounds good. As soon as uh, I know, I should know after this weekend, we'll call you and let you know. All right, cool, man. I appreciate it again. All right, thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. There's Dusty Hernandez-Harrison, the undefeated welterweight prospect and rising star from Washington, D.C., coming off of his big win in his Rock Nation sports debut on January 9th from Madison Square Garden on Fox Sports 1. Dusty easily dispatched of Tommy Renone to improve his record moving forward to 25-0 and with 13 knockouts. We look for big things from the local boy, Dusty Hernandez-Harrison, all right, Vin, you ready to move into this heavyweight card last night at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas? Yeah, let's get after it, buddy. All right, man, let's do this. Okay, so last night from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in beautiful, the city of lights, the beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, Berman Stavern defended his WBC heavyweight belt against the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder. Now, Vin, coming into this fight, man, there was so much hype, buildup, unanswered questions surrounding both fighters. Uh, the fact that Berman Stavern has, you know, he's, he's had a really relaxed schedule. He hasn't fought very often. Would he be rusty? Was his competition that he had faced up to snuff at this point in his career? And would that long layoff, would it hurt him? And then you had the questions with, with the bronze bomber about, you know, about his chin, about his legs, about the knockouts in the amateurs, about him, him getting hurt and wobbled. And could he go the distance? Yeah, I mean that there was there was a lot of things that we were waiting to have answered, especially I think more from the Wilder side, and and I think he answered most of them. Although you know there there's still some holes in Wilder's game. He's you know there's going to be some tougher fighters when he's moving forward here that he's going to still clean some stuff up. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Well, coming into the fight, um, you know, I had picked Stavern and you had picked Wilder, and neither of us were really sure as to who was going to win this thing. We just both thought it was a knockout. And Las Vegas Sporting Books, you know, they had the same thing. The over-under was at seven and a half rounds for a knockout. And if you picked over seven and a half, the odds were three to one against you. Jeez, I wish I would have got in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I definitely got in on it, but I'm not going to tell you what I did because I did not walk away with any money. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes most of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how it went today with the Packers also. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's jump into this fight, man. So right out of the gate, the one thing that I noticed from Deontay Wilder is he starts immediately just peppering Stavern with the jab. Wilder didn't throw – for, you know, probably the first half, really, but was walking um, – uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Stavern wasn't really throwing punches for the first half of the round. He was walking Wilder down, looking for some kind of, you know, catch-and-shoot counterpunching exchange. But, man, I tell you what, Wilder landed some monster shots towards the end of these rounds. Yeah, he was, uh, he was peppering them with that one-two there towards the end of that round. And, look, Stavern, there was, I don't know what it was with him – to me, it seemed like instead of really trying to get in aggressively, he was almost taking like little baby steps and kind of duck walking around the ring. It, it, something just seemed off with him in the ring. Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, he doesn't move his head all that often, you know, anyways. And a lot of the time during the last two fights against Chris Ariola, he found himself sort of laying on the ropes and waiting for Ariola, uh, Ariola to, you know, basically blows wad and a couple punch flurries and then he would he would catch and shoot and he ate it all night but I tell you what man I don't know if it was the the first time he really got hurt there at the end of the second round when they went to the ground but uh, man he seemed to be glazed over from that point forward I give him all the credit in the world he walked into a lot of stuff but he just seemed to be I don't know like like he said in the post fight interview that his mind wasn't right and that's exactly what it seemed like yeah, it looked like, you know, those those couple of them right hands 
scrambled his brain a little bit, and I just don't think he could ever really get into the fight like he wanted to after that. No, did you end up giving any rounds to Severn in this fight? Because, you know, one of the judges had their scorecards at 120 to 107. I, I did give Severn round four. That was it. Really? I Yeah, I gave him round four also, and I also gave him the eighth round, only because Wilder looked like he was taking a, a breather for that round. Yeah, he did. Late in that fight when, when Wilder did seem like he was taking time off, I noticed as he was backing away a lot of times, he, he seemed a little kind of nonchalant with his hands down. I just I just hope that he was confident in that fight knowing that Stavern wasn't going to get to him because against other opponents, that uh, that may come back to haunt him. Yeah, yeah, it could. And, you know, Stavern really, I think a lot of his exhaustion and you know, the latter third of that fight came from all the whiffs, man. I mean, he was he was winding up on some of those counters and throwing some really wild hooks, which is not typical for Berman Stavern, and I think it took a lot out of him. Yeah, I just think he was so confused as to, as to how to get off his attack that that's why you saw him missing like that. He was just frustrated, loading up, throwing big shots. Yeah, absolutely. So the judges' scorecards were 118, 109, 119, 108, and 120 to 107, and you know what? I couldn't argue with any of them, really. I mean, this was a pretty one-sided fight. What did you take away from this fight, Deontay Wilder becoming the new WBC heavyweight champion of the world? Uh, It's definitely good to have the belt back in the United States, at least one of the belts. We all realize that Klitschko is the, the heavyweight champion of the world, unquestioned, but uh Man, Wilder, Wilder answered a lot of questions for everybody that, that we had coming into this fight. He ate some good shots. He took some some big ones on the chin and, and kept fighting. I feel like he's going to keep getting better, and as he gets better, you know, obviously the competition's only going to get better. I mean, there's you, know, you look at three or four guys in the division that he could possibly be fighting next. It's, it's a major step up from Stavern even. Well, who do you want to see him fight next? Well, Tyson Fury would be a great fight, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, just on sheer size alone, those two would be looking right in each other's eyes for the entire fight. I kept thinking about him uh, knocking out Kubrat Pulev. I just feel like he'd take Pulev down pretty quickly with some straight rights, you know, that wide guard of Pulev. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, look, if you go up and down the heavyweight division, there's a couple guys right now we we all know that Vladimir Klitschko owns this division, and it's great that one of the belts and probably the most historical belt is now back into, um, you know, a U.S. heavyweight's hands. There's no doubt about it. But we all know that he's going to have to get through Klitschko to become the lineal champion. And then also there is uh, one guy over across the pond in the U.K. by the name of Anthony Joshua who I think is frothing at the mouth for his opportunity to jump in the ring with the with the uh, you know with the belt holders of the division. Oh yeah, he's he's going to be on the heels of of everybody by the end of this year. Joshua is. Yeah, I just hope he can recover from that injury and get back in there. I mean, I've told you you know time and time again in our conversations in our year end episode at uh, SportsRantRadio.com, um, you know. Anthony Joshua is the goods, and I think he's ready right now, man. I don't think anybody in this game except, you know, Wilder has a nice nice finishing flurry. We saw a little bit of that last night, even though he wasn't able to finish Stavern. But Anthony Joshua throws as smooth a four, five, six, seven punch combinations when he has his guy on the ropes as middleweights, as welterweights. Yeah, he, he's not nearly as wide as uh, as Wilder is when he's, when he's coming in to finish a fighter. He's He's much shorter and much more precise with his punches. Dude, I, I can't wait. If that's a, if we're looking ahead to 2016, if that would be a possible matchup, man, are you kidding me? That would be insane. Yeah, that would be insane. That would be absolutely insane. Um, well, I guess there you have it, man. That's the, uh, that's the story of Stavern versus Wilder. Now the bronze bomber hailing from Alabama, Deontay Wilder, is now the new WBC heavyweight champion, And we look forward to big things from him. And hopefully we get to see him on this new PBC on NBC, uh, Al Heyman production. And, uh, you know, we'll get to see the whole, the whole world will be tuned in for that one for sure. Yeah, that would be nice. That'd be real nice. 
All right, man, let's move into the junior featherweight division. And Leo Santa Cruz stands across from Jesus Ruiz. Now, this was a fight that, that, that Santa Cruz caught a lot of grief coming into this. He was, he was getting hit from all angles. And you know what, man, Leo Santa Cruz is a really, comes off as just a really, really nice guy, man. Seems really grounded, um, sort of, you know, he's not one of these brash talkers. And, you know, I kind of felt for him a little bit how he was getting hammered. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't excuse, you know, him from maybe quote unquote being protected uh, by this matchup with Ruiz to sort of save the goods for this new PBC on NBC thing. I know Santa Cruz is still tied to Golden Boy for a little while um, as a part of their settlement with Schaefer and Heyman. But, you know, at the same time, you know, final say in any matchup as it regards to a Al Heyman managed fighter uh, is always going to go with Heyman. So, you know, I just saw this coming in. As, as sort of, you know, I thought it was going to end in the first two or three rounds. Either way, it was a kind of a lose-lose situation for Cruz, uh, for Cruz in this fight. I mean, we all we all question Ruiz coming into this fight, and we've been questioning Santa Cruz's opponents, all of his opponents from last year. But I'll tell you what, man, Ru, uh, Ruiz was game as hell in there. Yeah, he really was, man. If he had anything on those body shots at all, uh, Santa Cruz could have been in some trouble. Yeah, th this wasn't. I mean, obviously it was it was built as a set him up, knock him down for for Cruz, but I don't think it played out quite like they expected. No, not at all. I mean, dude, physically you see the two of them standing in the ring, and Santa Cruz is you know the taller, more muscular, and the one feature about Santa Cruz that stands out the most against against any fighter I've seen him in the ring with so far, is that reach. He has an enormous reach for a junior featherweight. Yeah, he does. That's uh, that's where he gains his advantage against all of his opponents, at least in the fights that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we go into the eighth and final round of this fight, and Santa Cruz picked it up big time, putting his foot on the gas. Reeves was trying to throw back, but just got caught against the ropes, and uh, referee Kenny Bayless jumped in and stopped the fight while Ruiz was actually swinging back. Uh, it was an inevitable ending, though, man, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, look, Santa Cruz was easily winning the fight. Uh, you probably could have let it go on a little bit longer, but do we really need to see Ruiz take a pounding anymore? I mean, it, the, the outcome was inevitable. The stoppage was fine with me as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Santa Cruz moves on, and, um, you know, word on the street is, is that he wants to step in the ring with uh, Carl Frampton, Scott Quigg, Guillermo Rigondeaux, any of them. Well, we've been hearing that for the last three fights, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have. We have. You know, he, dude, he's he's got to step it up, man. He's a belt holder, and that's all there is to it. He's had, he's fought Ruiz, who, you know, it went on a little longer than it should have. He fought his sparring partner in his last fight. So he definitely has some proving to do, no doubt. Who do you want to see him in the ring against next? Uh, I'd like to see him fight either, either Quigg or Frampton. Yeah, Quigger Frampton, I think so too. I just think Rigondeaux would be a little bit too much for him. Yeah, that's a little little too early for that fight for him, I think, still. What about the possible rumored step up against uh Abner Mares? And that's the one that, that everybody's been asking for. I mean, that would be a huge matchup in, in the Latino community. That that fight would get blown up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Well, uh, you want to try to take a couple callers? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we want to hear from everybody out there that's listening and, uh, you know, tell us what you think about the fight and who you'd like to see Deontay Wilder square up against next. Let's try first in the 5-4-0. 5-4-0. Hello. All right, we got just a, a listener. All right, let's try in – let's try in the 8 6 Boom. Just like that. Looks like we're uh <laughs> just like Everybody that. Got right. Yeah, we got that. that's all right, man. Let's just keep going. We got a long way to go and we do not have much time today on this show. We got an hour left and we got more on the menu and some big things to talk about. Um but if you do want to call in, you can call in at seven one three nine five five zero four two eight. We're live here on the tail of the tape and be sure to drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of the tale of the tape and follow us on Twitter. You can follow me 
at Kenny Keith Jr. and follow Vin at Vince Cummings 81. So we move into the opening fight of the night. Amir Imam squares off against Fidel Maldonado in the junior welterweight division. So what do you have to say about this one, Vin? Wow. That was an unbelievable fight, man. Maldonado is a, he's a tough son of a bitch boy. And, uh, a mom, but very talented, man. I, that's the first time I've really got a good look at him. And man, he's going to, he's going to do some big things. Well, I mean, that's if he can get away from Don King. So he's probably not going to fight again until next year. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I can't believe we keep still seeing Don King in the ring. I mean, Look, Don's been around boxing. He's done a lot of good things. He's done some questionable things that we know of, too. It's just time time for Don to uh, be put out the pasture, I think. Yeah, no, I, absolutely, man. Um, I thought from the very beginning of this fight, I loved Maldonado's energy. I really did. But like I said in the in the conversation with Dusty, when he jumped in, I mean, he literally – could not. It was like his other shoulder just wanted to square right up. No matter what he threw, he was just standing there like like a, a, a Major League Baseball infielder getting ready to field the ball, like square to the target. Yeah, that was that was his downfall in that fight, boy. He, uh, he ate some big shots on the chin. Some of those knockdowns, man, they looked... He, he went limp. I can't believe he kept getting up, though. Yeah, I know. I, that just goes to show you right there, man. That kid's tough as hell. Yeah, he is. He is tough as hell. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him fight again. I would, um, if I was his, his his corner, I would probably advise him to try to uh, to work with his uh, lead shoulder to the target and keep the other one behind him. <laughs> yeah, I think that would, uh, that would help him out quite a bit. Yeah, but, you know, look, I, I completely agree with you about him, Mom. I mean, this guy looks like he could be a good fight with a guy like Terrence Crawford because of the of the very similar builds with Crawford moving up to 140. Um, you know, it's very difficult to get anything done with any of Don King's fighters. So, you know, God only knows exactly what the chances of a mom actually are to get in with any of these guys. And then, you know, you have on top of it is that pretty much, uh, you know, at least half of the top 10 fighters in the 140-pound division are all signed under Al Heyman. Yeah, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a tough time getting the fights he wants, I'm sure. Especially based on you know his talent level, on top of all the stuff with with uh, with Don King. The, the one thing I did notice with the mom is he, he's gonna have to tighten up his defense a little bit. He he left himself wide open, and his head is a little kind of a stationary target, and that's why you saw you know Maldonado was was able to land some big left hands on him. Yeah, he was. He was. And I, I completely agree with you. I just don't think Imam, Imam didn't have his timing right. He just kind of seemed, even in the post-fight interview, did he seem a little glazed over to you? Yeah, I think that, that knockout hurt him bad. And he was stumbled a couple, he was staggered at least one other time besides the knockdown in that fight. He took some big shots. Yeah, he definitely did. He definitely did. It would be interesting to see if they can get him in the ring and, and, and get him some experience and more exposure. Um, because that's the first time I've seen a Don King production on, on Showtime in, in, in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see the kid fight again. Absolutely. So there you have it. Imam wins by knockout in the fifth round. All right, man, I think it's time to get to the big preview of the upcoming fight on HBO. This Saturday, from the First Bank Center in Bloomfield, Colorado, the trilogy, the rubber match, the final chapter – of the storied rivalry between Mile High Mike Alvarado and Brandon Bam Bam Rios. At just first glance, Ben, what does this do for you? Uh, gives me a raging heart on. No, <laughs> this fight is, I mean, what can you ask for, dude? These two guys, two of the boxing's best warriors, uh, they're, both their fights before were 100% entertaining from start to finish. Um, it's it just, they lay, they lay their pride and everything on the line for themselves, for the fans and the sport of boxing. I mean, these two guys that look as, as fans, you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. I mean, boxing fans love to see the wars and these two will go toe to toe. There's no doubt about that. 
I think, though, we learned some things in the first two fights. I mean, the first fight, which ended up ending in a Brandon Rios stoppage in the seventh round, uh, Mike, Mike Alvarado got caught up in Rios's game. You know how Rios likes to hunch over, come forward, and just flat out bang. That's what that that's Rios's signature. That's what he does, and that's what he has has found all of his success with. And Mike Alvarado got sucked right in, and you know, kind of in the same fashion that Timothy Bradley gets sucked into fighting other people's styles in almost every single fight. Yeah, Alvarado. Uh... When he boxed in that first fight, was very successful. When he got inside, he paid the price, and and eventually in that first fight, that's that was his his downfall. He too many big shots, and he couldn't take it. No, no, he could not take it. You know, in the second fight, and which ended up resulting in a very, very close, very, very close decision, a unanimous decision, but the the scorecards. Were 115, 113, 115, 113, 114, 113, in favor of Mile High Mike Alvarado. And in this fight, Alvarado boxed his game. He stayed on the outside and was able to score points against Alvarado. Yeah, I don't remember those cards being that close. I, I kind of figured just from you know remember, remembrance of that fight and watching, I, I thought Alvarado in that second fight boxed brilliantly and and kind of controlled the entire fight for the most part. I'm, I'm surprised those cards were that close. I don't remember them being like that. Yeah, I, I think there was, you know, there were moments in that fight where, where where Rios was drawing Alvarado back in. I mean, dude, at the end of that fight, Alvarado looked like he had been hit by a truck. I mean, both of his eyes were split open. I mean, he was a bloody mess. Right. You know, and then, you know, and then what ends up happening after those after those two fights, there were talks that they were going to dive right into a trilogy, that they were just going to go right into the third fight. But then the opportunity presents itself for Brandon Rios to get his shot at Manny Pacquiao, which changed the direction of both of their careers that leads them into this fight coming forward. Rios gets pretty much just flat out dominated by Manny Pacquiao. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. I mean, it was just flat out pure... Uh, one-sided fight, and then he steps into the ring against Diego Chavez, and you remember the Chavez fight. That was one of the most just ugly, rugged, I mean, it may as well have just been, you know, breaking beer bottles over each other's head. Yeah, that was a rough and tough fight there, boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then of course, you have Alvarado. He steps into the ring. He takes his next fight after two Rios fights, gets in the ring, with Siberian Rocky Ruslan Provodnikov. And it takes, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, if you're Brandon Rios and got the iron chin. You know, I don't care if you're as slick a boxer as, as Floyd Mayweather. You, you get in the ring against a guy like Ruslan Provodnikov. He is going after one thing and one thing only. And that's your, <laughs> that's your life. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, you know, he comes back. That, that fight for, for Alvarado, I think that, that kind of spelled a, a changing point in his career. After that fight, he just kind of hasn't seemed like the same fighter. No, he, he hasn't. And I'll tell you what, where you really saw it was in his next fight, his last fight, which took place in May of last year against the Mexican legend Juan Manuel Marquez. That was, um, you know, just when everybody thought Marquez might be done, he puts on a master class. And one of the – there were a couple master classes last year that we can remember. You know, Kovalev versus uh, uh, Hopkins, the alien crusher. Um, you know, Crawford versus uh, Beltran. I mean, there, you know, uh, Pacquiao versus Algieri. But Juan Manuel Marquez against Ma- Mike Alvarado, that was just – it was batting practice for, for the Mexican legend. Yeah, that, that might have been one of Marquez's top five – performances in his career that was an unbelievable display of boxing counter punching and and just and what can you say man it's it's Juan Manuel Marquez he's he's one of the best to ever do it yeah absolutely so this leads us their their divergent paths have now began to point them right back in a collision course with one another this Saturday night in Broomfield Colorado for the trilogy, the rubber match, the final chapter of Alvarado 
Rios three. So here's the thing, okay? Now that these two are where they're at now, Rios has said that after the Pacquiao fight, he was kind of, he was distraught. He didn't know if he wanted to fight anymore. And then they told him that he was going to get his next shot against Diego Chavez. So he said, okay, let's do this. And he wasn't happy with himself. You and I both scored that fight at the time of the disqualification of the Argentine, Diego Chavez. We both had Chavez winning by at least one round. Yeah, I think the way that fight was headed, Chavez was going to end up being the winner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Chavez is a good boxer. We saw that against Timothy Bradley. Other people don't agree um, that that was even a fight. You know, some people had, had already, you know, sailed that ship with Timothy Bradley um, as the victor standing standing on the uh, on the bow. But, um, you know, Chavez is just a tough dude, and he's a lot bigger than Rios is naturally as a welterweight. I mean, let's remember, it wasn't too long ago that, um, you know, that Brendan Rios was the uh, the lightweight champion of the world. Yeah, he came up a couple weight classes pretty quickly. Yeah, he really did. And so now we come into this fight. What do you think about this fight, then? What do you think about where they are right now in their careers, what you have seen of these guys leading up to this point into this final collision course between these two? First off, I would, I'm going to just hope and pray that, that Mike Alvarado is, is taking this training camp seriously. I mean, we've all heard the, the rumblings coming out, and you, Dusty mentioned it earlier. Apparently there's a little bit of who knows what's going on, but you, you hope the focus is there. Because if it, if it is not, and he gets into that ring on Saturday with Rios, not without properly training, without getting where he needs to be, Rios will make him pay the price. And he's, he's in front of his home crowd. He ought to be motivated. I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, we're not going to get a, uh, a Mike Alvarado that's a shadow of himself from the first two fights. I think that we are going to get a Mike Alvarado that is a, that is uh, a shadow, um, a version of his of, of his former self. Look, here's the thing with Alvarado: in all the in, in the lead up, in um, you know all the conversations and interviews that I've seen with Alvarado, and even when he's been asked about his running with the law and you know him blaming it on his friend that it was his gun and you know everything else. Look, <laughs> I hate to say it, we you and I have both been down the road of. Of, of what can happen. We know people, uh, we, we, we have these experiences in our life of the old saying as, as generic and, and as much as nobody wants to hear it when they're growing up whatsoever is that nothing good happens after midnight. You know, it's no, like, sir. You know, especially not you, after 2 a.m. Didn't he get pulled over at like 3.30 in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. yeah, dude, yeah. And, you know, he's even admitted going into other fights into the Provodnikov fight, his trainer flat out said that he was not training at all, that he was just partying his ass off, and he got dominated. Yeah, I hope that's not the case this time, but it's it's looking more and more like it is. I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like Rios is going uh, to steamroll him late in this fight. Yeah, I do too. What's your prediction, Ben? I, I'm, I'm going to say Rios is going to get him TKO in 10 TKO ten. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my traditional knockout in the eighth round. Hey, why not? Why not start out 2015 with the same prediction, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. So there you have it. We have just finished our preview of Mike Alvarado versus Brandon Rios, the third and final chapter coming to you this Saturday night from Broomfield, Colorado, at the First Bank Center live on HBO. So now to the biggest news of boxing so far this year. All the speculation, all the episodes prior to episode 32 of The Tale of the Tape, our dialogue, our fellow boxing radio hosts' dialogue, the stories that all the scribes are putting in every publication and every website about Al Heyman is in some way, shape, or form dumbing down the product in boxing and has stripped us of every single thing that is positive in all of the competition in boxing 
and this was the dialogue on our show and so many others. And then the announcement comes this past Wednesday that Al Heyman Boxing will join forces in a pay-per-slot arrangement with NBC for his new series, Premier Boxing Champions. When you heard this, read the story, and saw the snapshots from the press conference and heard about the news, what did you think, Vince? No, I was shocked, man. Uh, you know, I know there were some 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 light rumblings of a possibility of this happening, but to get this announcement and then to get following that announcement, the the matchups that we're going to get to kick this thing off, old uh, old Big Al went and totally redeemed himself, kind of. Let me ask you this though, Vin. Okay, I, I, this is a kind of a silly analogy, but this is kind of what I equated to. All right, and I hope this does not happen. I hope that this is just the beginning of, you know, an amazing relationship with NBC network television and exposure for the sport that we love. But I remember when they opened a brand new, shiny, state-of-the-art, top-notch, top-of-the-line, tits version of Wegman's Grocery Store in Frederick, Maryland. And it had the lowest prices in town. Everything was the lowest prices. They had the best stuff, stuff you couldn't get locally. They were bringing in stuff from all over specialized ingredients, the best of the best, the Hagler of of grocery stores. And then that they was all fine and good for the first year. And now they got everybody addicted to shopping at that store. They jacked up all their prices. And now it is the most expensive store in town. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had some of those thoughts myself wondering like, is this guy just pulling a fast one on us again? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you look at these matchups, and obviously, you know, you're not going to get the, the Thurman Guerrera and, and Broner Molina Jr. and, and Garcia Peterson matchups like that. He, he can't keep doing that. He doesn't have – he's got a lot of fighters in this table, but he doesn't have that many fighters that, that stand at the, at the same plateau as the guys he's got going off on these first two shows. So, yeah, I, I hope you're not right. I hope, you know – come the end of this year, we're not getting the same crap that we were getting last year from him. Yeah. And I hope I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. I'm not, I'm still not sold on it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, you know, forgive Al Heyman for 2014 because I can tell you right now, man, I became, I almost got a freaking HBO tattoo on my bicep. You know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) Dude, it it, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely 100% ridiculous that Showtime had Rancis Bartholomew headlining in Showtime Championship Boxing. Yeah, and, and after all this deal, I know I keep hearing Showtime says it's, you know, the deal works mutually for both people. I can't understand how Showtime and Steven Espinosa isn't just completely pissed off right now that he he kind of held back his guys while while he was on their network, and now he got his, his shiny new contract, and he's uh, – He's unleashing all of his good fighters, and, and Showtime's getting none of it. I think he's 100% full of shit, period. You think so? Vince, this makes absolutely 100% no sense at all. The only, the only time that this ever works out, the only time, is in European soccer when other teams – let other teams borrow their players. Okay, like this right. is not how this this is not how this works when NBC is flailing in so many departments as in their network. They're at the bottom of the major networks right now as far as overall view, uh, viewership is concerned. While NBC kills it when it comes to the Olympics, and while NBC kills it in their development in sports, and they have a really nice. Uh, focus into sports, especially sports that aren't necessarily covered in the mainstream, such as boxing has fallen into that category over the last 20 years. Listen to what Steven Espinoza told ESPN.com. The fights that were taken to NBC were done in consultation with me. We had the opportunity to retain those fights for Showtime, but we decided that it was better for the long-term of the boxers, the sport, and for Showtime to allow those fighters to go and get a lot of main 
stream exposure. Now, I know from the outside, it may not make a lot of sense that there are a lot of questions. It's part of a long-term strategy. You can't really evaluate the impact until you see what our schedule is for the next six months of the year. If we are able to put on a strong slate of programming, then it makes a little more sense as a long-term play. What? Yeah, that's kind of a confusing statement there. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, and it, not only is it a confusing statement, Vince, he did an interview before the announcement with Steve Kim from UCNlive.com, and he did another, um, you know, similar sort of post-announcement interview again. Very, very similar uh, responses to the to the questions that everybody is asking him. He has been unable to answer a question in the last month without being 100% on the defensive, sort of going on the attack against fans. I know there's trollers out there, man. They drive everybody crazy, Um, except I do actually promote and uh, would be willing to pay trollers to continue their onslaught on Pauli Malinaji, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, man, I mean, everything Espinosa has said has has been full of, 100% 100% vagaries. He has been so unclear. And now he's trying to say that, okay, you know what? We're going to let NBC take our best fighters and make a shit ton of money. NBC has nothing to do with and, and is a direct competitor with CBS-owned Showtime. Now, listen, I get it, Vin. I get it, okay? Maybe CBS wants no part of the fight You know what I mean? Maybe they don't want mainstream association with the fight game. Maybe they want to keep it to their paid cable programs or channels like CBS, Sports, and Showtime. You know what? And that's fine. And that's fine. But I don't know, Vin. This does not make any sense on the surface whatsoever. Yeah, you wonder if, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you just went through some of that stuff. You wonder if if uh, Heyman's just kind of going over there to NBC and this is maybe not going to be a long-term thing and he is just going to get exposure for all these guys and then bring them right on back over to Showtime when it's all said and done. I, I don't know. Something doesn't add up. Something something smells a little fishy. Yeah, but you know what? We can't see it right now. I mean, that's the only part of his, uh, you know, these quotes that make sense is that you can't really see it right now. And it, I think it would be pretty, considering the relationship that Al Heyman has with HBO, um, it would be pretty, pretty dumb of Al Heyman boxing to sever ties and dick over uh, Showtime completely because they may need a fallback because this may not work. Yeah, I mean you're you're completely alienating yourself right there if you if that's the move you're making. And you know what? Based off of that premise, then Steven Espinoza might be right. You know, maybe it's just going to be a year of we'll get a, uh, this fight here and 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 this fight here. And you know what, dude, the you know, fact of the matter is, is if Adrian Broner beats John Molina, then you've got yourself a Adrian Broner, you know, versus Lucas Matisse, you know, for a headline battle on Showtime. So why not? Yeah, that would be awesome. Please let me get that fight. Yeah, and maybe, just maybe, by bringing Keith Thurman over, by bringing Adrian Broner over, maybe – they're able to shine in a couple fights to, to to elevate them into a superstar status. Because what ends up happening is, is it gives Showtime their next pay-per-view star, possibly. Because I, we all know Floyd, his time is running very, very thin. Yeah, and, and HBO has their cash cows. So, yeah, Showtime definitely needs to, uh, to find one quickly. Yeah, because the only other pay-per-view star that Showtime had – is now across the street as Canelo Alvarez has joined forces with HBO. Um, one more question before we move on to news related to Canelo Alvarez. I want to ask you something, Ben. Um, Adrian Broner, are you sure they should be putting him on national network television? Yeah, they better have the uh, they better have a a nice delay or a nice dump button when he when they're interviewing him because. Uh, He's definitely going to have to clean it up. I know that. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, NBC as an entire entity, not not just their sports programming. NBC is one of the networks at the forefront of this um, nonsensical, blown out of proportion, 
political correctness movement that's sweeping the United States right now, led by Bob Costas. And you know, everybody <laughs> at that network, you know, everybody at that network is, um, you know, basically, if if you even if you if you even you know breathe the wrong way or your fart smells funny, they're going to accuse you of being racist or sexist or something. And we all know that Adrian Broner on Showtime in his post fights, he has gone as far as saying that he stole the person he just beats girlfriend and banged her and all the way to the fact that he loves beating up Mexicans. So you can't say yeah. that shit on, on national TV. Yeah. If, if he spouts off something stupid like that, man, you're going to the uh, premier boxing champions league might be uh might be short lived NBC. I don't see them having a problem with getting rid of it over something like that. No, and and which which is yet again another reason why they better not burn the bridge with Showtime because a guy like Adrian Broner may just be made for cable. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see though. So, news came across the wire uh, yesterday that Canelo Alvarez will not be fighting Miguel Cotto on May second, according to Oscar De La Hoya, Alvarez's promoter. That's that's a Complete shame, man. I I just don't get it. I why these fights can't be made and I you know, I've heard back and forth stuff about well they're they're sponsored by different beers and there's all these other aspects that you go into these negotiations where guys have to be loyal to, to who's endorsed them and it causes all these roadblocks and I don't know, man. I, I still feel like this fight's not dead in the water quite yet. I feel like everybody is waiting around to see if this Mayweather-Pacquiao fight is going to be made, or at least Cotto and Canelo are, and especially Cotto because we all we're all here in rumblings that you know if if, if May Pack doesn't get made, then then it's going to be Mayweather Cotto too. Yeah, and uh, dude, I I've already I've already seen a lot of comments from from diehard fans that say if if Mayweather backs out. And he's just been, you know, sort of, you know, waiting in the uh, in the pool for for Cotto so he could pounce on a Mayweather Cotto too. Um, while Pacquiao has agreed to all the terms that have been set forth to him, I swear, dude, it's gonna it's gonna really piss a lot of people off. Yeah, it is. It's I, I tell you what though, even as a fan, I, as much as I do not want that fight, nobody wants to see Mayweather Cotto too. It's be a lot of the same thing from the first fight. But it's it'd be hard not to watch the fight. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, I agree because you know the fact remains is that you know Miguel Cotto is still a top ten fighter in the world, and you know if he squares off, you know if anybody has a chance to beat Manny, I mean, you know Cotto has I guess as good a chance as anybody out there really right now today, if you can think of anybody. You know, I mean, right. I still think there, I think there are some guys that are um, not yet developed fully or have not proven themselves at the right weight class that I think could give Floyd a run for his money. And he's going to stay away from those guys anyway. I mean, look, the fact remains this, is that whoever it is that does the public relations for Floyd Mayweather should have been fired a long time ago. But unfortunately, that whoever that person is has been feeding him with every single demand and everything that he wants, he gets. He's the most spoiled human being on the planet and makes every decision based off of his own rationale. And that has proved to ostracize, isolate, and even more importantly, insult the intelligence of boxing fans. He repeatedly and constantly is on the onslaught saying, I'm doing it right in front of your face. I'm stealing money from you. I am not fighting the most dangerous opponent. I would rather be a rich coward than anything else. And it's just unbelievable the fact that he admits to these kind of things. And to me, they're unbelievable PR nightmares. Now, obviously, you have your your brain-dead flomos that defend the guy as blindly as they defend Paulie Malinaji and his baseless comments that he makes against Pacquiao. But the fact remains that this would be, yet again, maybe the cherry on top of the PR nightmare cake that Floyd Mayweather has been baking for the last decade of his career. Yeah, he's going to find himself. If he does not make this fight with Mayweather, 
he's going to find himself with a lot of people that are just completely uninterested in what his fight is next, whether it's Cotto or not. Uh, we It's just enough is enough with this guy, all right? Me and you, we see through it. We've seen through it for a while now. We're completely fed up with it. The fact that, like you were saying, these these dedicated Floyd Mayweather fans that just, for whatever reason, are just so blind to to how he treats them and disrespects them, basically. I, I just don't understand it, man. It's Floyd Mayweather has become one of the most frustrating figures in sports, I think, at this point. Oh, dude, there's absolutely no no doubt about that. Mayweather treats his fans, his most loyal fans, like he treats his women. <laughs> That's probably a fair statement. <laughs> ah, I mean, it is. It's like you know, uh, yeah. other than the you know, other than the one or two that have actually came out and and actually brought charges against the guy. I mean, I'm sure there's been other cases. I mean, you know, it just doesn't, the buck doesn't stop right there because there's been more allegations since since the first go around. And, you know, I mean, that's how he treats his fans, man. He freaking punches them right in the gut. And then they just keep on coming back saying, Oh, it's okay, man. I love you. It's okay. I forgive you. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. But there's an obsession. I think throughout this country, people are obsessed with other people's belongings. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is that I don't know what it is with this, you know, the newer generations and, and how they, they get so wrapped up in something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So do you think the fight happens? Do you think they're going to announce it during the Super Bowl? That would be the perfect time. I'll say this. If it doesn't get announced in the next couple of weeks, it ain't happening. And I, I'm still of the opinion that it's not going to happen. I, I'm not going to be disappointed when it doesn't because I'm not expecting it to happen. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people feel that way too. I saw an interview with Sam Watson last night from uh, from the fight. Somebody I can't, I'd, I'd like to give credit to who took the interview. But um, I cannot remember uh, um, who it was. But they uh, had a video of him and asked him about the fight, and you know he said that he didn't have any information on it. And then the person asked asked Watson if um, you know, well, if they announced if they made the announcement, if they're keeping it quiet and they make the announcement at the Super Bowl, I mean that would be huge. And you know, Sam Watson had a big smile on his face, and he was like, he's like, yeah, he's like that would be awesome. That'd be the best time to do it, you know. So who knows? I mean, he was, you know, he was at a. Uh, uh, or maybe the maybe the uh, the interview was at the basketball game that him and Floyd attended. I can't remember. I can't remember. But either way, hearing those comments from Watson, you know, it could just be the same old crap, just somebody else covering down for him. Right, exactly. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah, oh, well. I mean, as we've learned, man, the time just keeps on, keeps on ticking. But, you know, there's still some good fights on the horizon. We do have – Mike Alvarado and Brandon Rios and their trilogy coming up. We have your boy, uh, one of our top five prospects, Gilberto Ramirez, will make his HBO. Um, I think this is his debut on HBO, isn't it? Yeah, and it will be his. Um, this will be his toughest opponent to date. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's your prediction for the Ramirez Vlasov fight? Uh, I, I I see Ramirez doing some some early body work like like we know he does. And uh, later on in that fight, I see him taking control and either getting a knockout or getting a TKO. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm Which with you there, man. Big, that would be a big win for him. Yeah, it, no, you know, you're exactly right. That would be a big win for sure. For sure. I, I, you know what? I actually see um, that fight going the distance. Just I, I don't know why. I think in his last performance, he, he came remarkably close to allowing that to go the distance. But, you know, we've seen – the body work that this guy lays and it just, you know, some guys, they may have iron, iron jaws, but maybe they're just a, uh, no, not that tough of a tree and they get chopped down. And that's, I I think that's going to be his strategy going into this fight anyways. Yeah, for sure. So, um, February 6th, we got Jermaine Taylor defending his IBF middleweight title in Biloxi, Mississippi against Sergio Mora. Um, we'll talk about that more as, it comes closer. Um, I think it's pretty clear that we're still a bit unclear how he is is still fighting, but that's that's neither here nor there at this point. Saturday, February 21st, Triple G Gennady Golovkin returns against uh, the number six ranked by Ring Magazine, uh, Martin Murray, to defend his WBA middleweight title in a 12-round action from Monte Carlo. Also on the card, 
Um, the strawweight champion, Hecky Butler, love watching that guy, will be on the card. And Tyson Fury's brother, Huey, uh, Huey Fury, you know, try to say that name five times fast. Yeah, no shit. Um, and in the, in the, on the same night, on February 21st, from Berlin, Arthur Abraham uh, grants the rematch against Paul Smith for Abraham's 168-pound WBO title. Carl Frampton uh, defends his IBF featherweight, uh, junior featherweight belt against challenger Chris Avalos in what should be a really nice fight. And on the same night, Tyson Fury um, will get a tune-up fight against Christian Hammer, and Chris Eubank Jr. returns to the ring on that evening. And then, of course, the debut on NBC, Premier Boxing Champions, Keith Thurman squares off against Robert Guerrero in the welterweight division, and Adrian Broner squares off against John Molina Jr. in the 140-pound division. Um, so there's a lot on the horizon. Uh, we also have Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson in April, and apparently there will be an announcement made this week as Vladimir Klitschko's next opponent will be announced. Um, did you hear the news, then about Kel Brook? Um, they're making the announcement this week as well. I did hear. I, I didn't hear who the uh, possible opponents were. Well, Eddie Her- Eddie Hearn is being very mum. He said that part of them wants to go ahead and get their mandatory out of the way in JoJo Dan, um, but then in the same breath, he basically said that we're not going to tell you who it is. So why would he say it was JoJo Dan if it's not JoJo Dan? So who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, so. I think we're going to have a lot of information to talk about uh, moving forward. And, um, you know, we'll have to come back next week and break it all down as we'll have the results from Alvarado Rios 3. Looking forward to the fight this weekend, then? Oh, man, I cannot freaking wait for that fight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I guess that'll do it for episode 32 of the Tale of the Tape. Hey, it's good to be live, brother. Yeah, back live, had some... uh, uh, some good listenership tonight, and we hope that everybody will tune in again next Sunday night at 8 o'clock here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, you can dial into the show at 713-955-0428, and that's at blogtalkradio.com backslash tail slash of slash the slash But that'll be posted so you have all that information. Be sure to drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of the tale of the tape and we will be back next week for episode 33 the same bat time same bat channel Um, may the force be with you